Welcome to In the Spotlight with Amy's Gross, where we feature great artists, entrepreneurs, community leaders, and well, anyone who should have that moment to share their story in the spotlight. Thank you for joining us here on another In the Spotlight with Amy Scruggs. I am your host, and we have an incredible guest here as always. But this is a first-class top talent in the bluegrass genre. His name is Billy Droz, and we've got him with us today to talk about his history in music, what he loves about being a part of bluegrass, and he is really making a great impression out there in the music industry right now. And we've got him here. Thank you so much, Billy, for joining us. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this because we get to pick your brain as a fellow musician. This is a very special time. Billy, walk us through your background with music. Like everybody else, you probably started at three, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, I started around four or five singing in churches with my dad. And uh, we're from Alabama. So it's a little town called Boaz, Alabama. But we've we're kind of like gypsies. We've been all over the the country and uh, just uh i've got my roots now in nashville tennessee but um it took uh took a long time to get here but my background just basically comes from uh you know southern gospel uh, traditional country music and and bluegrass music and uh, i love uh, love getting to do it for a living and, and raise my family on uh, uh on music it's awesome we're going to talk about that more because raising a family while being out in music is a—it's a whole show all by itself. And you have somehow mastered it. It looks like you do anyways, what I see out there. But let's go back to doing music with your family. I made my kids come along and do music with me, but I didn't have that on my side. For you, starting that way, did you feel music was already in you naturally? Or do you feel like you learned it because of the environment you were in? When did that really start to flow through you that it wasn't something you did with them, that something that was really in you? Well, I, uh, you know, in, in, in interviews, prior interviews and stuff, I always just say I, it was almost like being, you know, programmed <laughs> from <laughs> from a very young age. Always something that I knew that, you know, that was absolutely my calling card in life. And uh, I think I was just born w- with it in my spirit to to, to get out and, and, and make music and try. I mean, li- like most artists, I, I wanted to change the world with uh, with the ideas and the thought thoughts that God gave me in my uh, in my in my heart and soul. And 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 sometimes that's not always the most lucrative way to go because uh, sometimes it can be a little bit more commercialized and stuff, but I always chose the route of, you know, if I'm not changing somebody's life with my music, there's no sense in, in doing it. So I've, I've found a, a really nice home in bluegrass music uh, in the genre of bluegrass. Uh, I started out in country music when I was, <clears throat> I guess, prof- <clears throat> excuse me, professionally started out. I had a record deal on RCA at 18 years old wow. and at, at, at 18, you don't really know, uh, you know, the old additive, if I could go back and know what I know now, but I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think I would change many things. It was a, it was a climate in country music at the time where it was really kind of taking a turn for more of a commercialized pop sound, if you will. And uh, that just never was my, my strong suit was never that. And so uh, and I, I stayed at it for, you know, 10, 15 years, just really chasing that dream. And uh, one time I, uh, I was riding with a friend of mine, Ronnie Bowman, who's very successful in the genre of bluegrass. And I told him, I said, man, I, I think I just want to because I grew up on bluegrass. I want to go back and just make the record that uh, that I want to make uh, that makes me feel good in here. You know, and so and I was kind of green as to what bluegrass what the climate in bluegrass was. And so he kind of started, you know, giving me some pointers and how, how we could do that. 
And I kid you not, we uh, I took a recording session that I, I was already had uh, scheduled, and it was a country session. And I, I essentially just muted the uh, electric instruments, and my brand of music kind of just fit uh, in bluegrass without you know changing much about it, except taking the electric aspects out of the music. So, and that was the start of yeah, yeah, that was the start of my bluegrass career and that was about six years ago so when we when we finally decided to make the change <laughs> so but i still love country music and, and do a lot of it in my uh in my live shows um so what instruments what did you start with uh piano and guitar and uh i'm miserable on the piano i use it only to write these days but uh, i'm miserable uh, on the guitar so see we're a perfect combination <laughs> there you I'll play guitar, you play piano, we'll hit the road. Perfect. So you found the love with the guitar, the passion. What about the vocals? When did you notice that you had that ability? Because it's one thing to play an instrument. It's another thing to say, wow, I've got the voice that goes with this. And it's Well, okay. the singing was absolutely... <laughs> yeah, the singing was absolutely first in my life. And, uh, and then around 12, 13 years old, I discovered that, uh, hey, I got to have some kind of prop to go along with my singing and and started playing uh, at around 12 or 13 on on the guitar uh but singing's always you know been the uh, the passion that started the whole thing for me so what was it like the first time you stepped into a major recording studio because there's one thing with the live show growing up playing the music learning your passion for it playing at home playing in front of small audiences large audiences but that first experience going into a studio is a different creature what was that like for you yeah, I was about 15 years old and I've always had a passion for like productions and recording. And even as a kid, you know, I had like a, a reel to reel thing that I'd record my cell phone and just so I've always had a passion for it. I went into a studio called Micron Studios in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, scared to death. I think I was about 15. And uh, but I felt at home. I felt like, OK, this is something that I that I'm good at. That it, So it kind of felt familiar for me and I, I really enjoyed it. And now it's one of the biggest uh, passions of my career is uh, productions and recording, uh, not just my my albums, but a whole slew of other people. So I, I enjoy that part. Uh, I'd say almost as much as uh, the performing aspect. So. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what was it like for you when you first heard your recording back? Because that's another big deal. We we put it out there. We're live. But when you actually hear that first recording come back to you, and you were only 15, you were a kid. How did that feel hearing your voice? And what have you noticed on how it's changed to the voice you have today? Uh, yeah, that's a loaded question. It was, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought, okay, this is, this is good for a 15 year old. And, and it was good. I mean, it, it, but now like I would cringe if somebody would play me that because <laughs> at 15, you can't, know, you can't know what a 20 year career will make your voice into. And so I had some uh, real different eras of my voice. And, and, and of course, like you gr growing up, you have your heroes and, and people that you try to emulate and, and be like, uh, but really finding your own voices is, is a strong suit of mine as a producer. I really try to take singers and say, okay, let's get out of you, your heroes, essentially. Let's make it you. And, because we've already had a George Jones or a Merle Haggard or Randy Travis and, right. and nobody's going to be a better Merle Haggard than Merle Haggard. So, or, or so on and so forth. And so the only, and the only reason I can teach that is because I had to learn it for my, myself. I was a, just a Keith Whitley nut, huge Keith Whitley nut. And so I, I thought, I, 
<laughs> yeah. I thought I had to sound like him. And then I realized, well, that ain't going to happen. And so uh, then I just began to draw from, uh, from, from other, my favorites, like M Marty Rabin of Shenandoah and stuff. And so I guess to be a, a good singer, you just, you steal from the best of them and hope, <laughs> hope you can put your own in there and, uh, and, and have something unique and different that people uh, like to hear. So. Well, what you pointed out is brilliant because finding that voice that you're, that's yours. Yes. The influences are always in there. We, we all bring those influences, influences in mm -hmm. as artists, but for you to realize this is my sound, this is me. Yeah. What sets you apart now really as an artist and why you're getting such incredible momentum and visibility and followers. You've got great fans that follow you. How do, well, you, I'm so how do you love your fans? What is that like for you as you've watched people really endear to you and want more of what you do? We just got back from uh, Florida the other day, and uh, it's it's so neat when you you have people that actually come out to shows only because they want to hear something that you do. And I, yeah. uh, man, I will sit and talk with them as long as they want. I'll just I, I I love them dearly, and I know that they're the reason why I get to uh, punch my own clock when I want to and raise these babies. And it, it, it stay see I I stayed on the road for a, a big portion of my career up until now. And now I kind of just do this, the, the things that um, are really intriguing to me. I don't, I mean, I can, we started the interview at my studio. So my studio is about, uh, you know, half two city blocks away from here. It's not far at all. And so I, I get to work from, uh, I run my whole production company out of, uh, off the property here. So I just get to go up there and make music. And, and when, when it's something that uh, is feasible and I could take the family and stuff like that, we'll go out and play as many shows as they want. So, Well, you have a family, having a family while being an artist, but you also have a family and a wife that is an artist <laughs> and you have yeah. kids. Let's talk about how you've taken growing up in a family of musicians and now you've created your own family. What is that bond like for all of you? And also, is there any, a little bit of that competitive edge in there? Uh, no, she knows I'm boss. <laughs> no, um, well, to be honest with you, I met Maria. <laughs> I met Maria when I was doing a festival in Lithuania, and uh, which is across the ocean. And I was I was really nervous because there's about twenty twenty five thousand people there that night, and that it was like the largest crowd I'd ever played for. And um, she was opening with her, like a local band there from where she's from. And I just told the the guy that was uh, playing drums for me at the time. I said, "I'm going to marry her." She was doing a sound check. And he said, yeah, right, whatever. Um, and of course, the rest is history. 13 years later and four beautiful children. And uh, and so Maria, I had to more, I had to coax Maria more into hers was, it was a passion for her, of course. But when we, when I started the record label RBR Entertainment, I needed a guinea pig. And I knew that she has like the most beautiful angelic voice. So I said, Maria, we're going to put a record out on you. If it works, we're going to grow this company. And she wasn't reluctant, but I mean, she's, she's a mom. She loves being a mommy. And so uh, th there's a lot of stuff that goes along with being yeah. an artist. And uh, she's, she's really coming to her own now. And I'm very proud of her. We just finished her first album. And, and far as the rest of the family, um, <clears throat> I've never tried to, to push it on my children because I know how hard it is. Um, if they ever come to me and say, Hey dad, I want to, I want to take this for a career. Then then I'm in a good position now at this point to be able to you know, lay it out for them and say, well, this is, this is how it works. 
But my two-year-old, she sure does have some pipes. So I'm thinking, I think the two-year-old is going to be the singer. That's some great wisdom, Dad. I've, I also firsthand have experienced that with two out of my four being musicians and watching it evolve naturally and helping advise them, but also helping them just find their own way and what they want with that, what instruments they want to play and where they want to go with that. And it's been a, a really fun journey. And I know you're, you're on the same journey right now. Let's talk about some of the music. Of course, you love every song equally. Everything you've ever done is perfect. However, I know there's always those special songs that maybe for you, it's like, I love performing this one, or I have an emotional attachment to that one, or this one is the one the fans love the most. Do you find that those are sometimes the same or different? And let's start talking about some of the songs. Well, um, I've put out a record every year since I was 15. And so I'm 35 now an album if you will and so to watch them mature and the song choices like when i first started out i wasn't writing everything that i do but uh you know 90 percent of the songs now uh are songs that 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 i personally wrote and so what and they come from a like i had said earlier i i want to change people's lives with music and so they come from a very deep emotional uh state and you know if you lived it you can write it and uh, i preach that a lot and the therapy of writing songs for me, it, it's sincerely a therapy. I've been through a lot of crazy mess in my life. And uh, most people that follow my music know, uh, the, you know, the tragedies and crazy things I've been through. And because I was given that in life, I try to make my music, let my music be a sounding board for that. And so you're, you're right. Uh, they're the more personal songs, the ones that, um, helped me in my time where I was like, Oh man, I can't, I can't do this. But, I was, you know, um, I've got a song called Different Kind of Crown. Um, and of course, it's the uh, comparison of the crown of Jesus Christ and crown royal. And I used to love it when I was about 19 or 20. Uh, and I struggled with that a little bit back then. And uh, and then uh, I'll never forget, I was I was ministering at a uh, cowboy church in Florida. And uh, this guy was just kind of weeping uh, on his knees at the altar. And I thought, man, this is this is exactly why I. I sing and write music. And so those songs like that are the ones that, um, you know, and when my, when my sister uh, passed about uh, 12, 13 years ago, uh, I've got, God knows how many songs about her. And so it really helps people deal with grief and, and, and how to, uh, you know, just how to cope with that kind of stuff. And unfortunately I've become somewhat of a um, professional in the, in the coping with, uh, grief uh, category uh, and and i can be like woe is me woe is me but if i can help somebody else uh, be able to get through those tough uh, times in life through music then that's exactly why god's put me here to yes. that's why to be an entertainer music is a gift music really is a gift it's a healer it's an inspirer it brings joy we emotionally attach to songs it allows us to go through healing mm -hmm. celebrate there's so many things that go along with music and what you've brought is a gift and it's amazing what you do well thank you so much and and i just uh i'm not the one in charge i think god god knew he better give me music because i'm not really good at anything else <laughs> well, he clearly gave this to you let's talk about any upcoming projects is there anything that you can share that maybe we're not supposed to know something you can share any secrets i promise i won't tell anybody but what do you have coming up yeah that <laughs> <laughs> well, we um, have the brand uh, brand new album. I think this will be my fifth uh, grass album, and it's called Billy the Kid. Um, 
and it's pretty cool. And uh, I really got to let myself experiment on this project. Um, you know, of course, through the pandemic and different stuff, uh, we cut about two records th through all that. And it, and it sincerely gave me a lot more time to pay attention to detail and stuff. And uh, I just did stuff that I really always wanted to do, but never really was brave enough to do. Like, so on this brand new album, we have uh, uh, two mariachi songs on it. Like, it's the first time bluegrass has ever been paired with uh, mariachi music, which is uh, kind of a music of my heritage. My mother's from Guatemala. And so they're completely in Spanish. And so I think a lot of, I think a lot of bluegrassers are going to be like, what in the heck did I just listen to? Wow. But I like to do things that are unique and yeah. different and, and, you know, outside of the box. And so we got the permission to kind of explore on this one. And of course, so if I ever explore, I, I make sure that I pay homage to, to rootsy traditional grass and, and traditional roots music. So I might've threw a few, uh, you know, curveballs in there, but I, I definitely on this album, um, did some stuff that I generally wouldn't have done. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what the people say about it. And um, I can't so wait. Billy the Kid comes out January, I think. So I'm um, excited for that. Very exciting. I can't wait to hear that. Everybody listening and watching this, make sure you remember that January, that album is coming out. And I know that there's a, a sneak peek and a birdie has told me that there is a Christmas project coming out with RBR. Are you featured on that? Yes, ma'am. I did uh, two songs on there and uh, it's a 10 song compilation. And this is the first uh, Christmas album I ever got to produce. And it was really neat because um, it was it was neat and different in the same token because we were singing, you know, d d Christmas songs in July. It was a little a little different. But um, and I, and I and I tell people it, it was it's more about Jesus and less about Jingle Bells. However, we did uh, record Jingle Bells on that uh, as an instrumental with Josh Swift and he just completely nailed it. And it's just, it was neat to get everybody together and be able to, uh, everybody have an offering that's, uh, from the label. And so, uh, I produced a track on my wife. Uh, one of my favorite Christmas songs is Mary. Did you know? Yes, and, um, love it. So with, with Mark Lowry and, um, bless his heart. He was sweet enough to come in and sing on that with us. And, uh, he, he's become a dear fan. So he wrote it and he said, that, you know, I wrote that one song. I don't have to write anymore. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, he does it. <laughs> that's, that's like, you know, writing happy birthday or amazing grace. I'm still, I'm still waiting on that. <laughs> right. Right. This is so fantastic. I'm telling you, I personally cannot wait for this album to come out. It is going to be incredible and one for everybody to have. And Billy, all of your music has just blessed so many lives. You are truly an artist and one that if you haven't followed Billy before and don't know his music, you need to follow him today. Where can everybody find your music? Are you on all stream platforms? What's your website? Tell us now how we can reach you, follow you and share your music. We're definitely on all socials. Billy Droz at, you know, Twitter, Facebook, all of them, uh, farmersonly.com. That's a joke. Uh, <laughs> um, so wherever that where, wherever you can find artists, you'll find me. And I'm um, I try to be really adamant about uh, making relationships with uh, the people that reach out to us and and just uh, write them back and, and and let them know that I'm very appreciative of them uh, following my music. So, Billy, it was an honor That's to be with you today.
So exciting. Thank you. It was Thank you for your contribution to music and especially to bluegrass music and congrats on all your success and excited to see what's what's up ahead for you. Everybody follow Billy Dro's music. This is definitely one that you want to have in your catalog. Thanks so much, Billy. Thank you for listening to In the Spotlight podcast. For more information, you can go to amyscruggsmedia.com and make sure and follow on social media at amyscruggsmedia.com.